0: Welcome to Nationwide Market Insights for April 15, 2022. CPI data came out this week and showed that inflation is the highest in 40 years. What's causing prices to increase? What sectors are impacted the most? And when could the current rise in inflation start to peak? Nationwide's chief economist, David Burson, and senior economist Ben Ayers dig into the recent CPI report, as well as other inflation measures, and provide their outlook on when things could improve. And now, here's Ben Ayers.
1: Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Today, we're going to be dissecting the March report for the Consumer Price Index, which Saw another spike, David, you know, certainly seeing a a lot of continued inflationary pressures. What did you see when you looked at the the latest numbers that we got for consumer inflation? Well,
2: if you look at the overall CPI, it it, it was a pretty dismal report. You know, on a month-over-month basis, the overall consumer price index was up 1.2%. You know, we had whole years where the CPI in recent years has been up 1.2%, and we got that in one month. And over the last 12 months, we like to look at that as a measure of trend inflation. The, uh, the overall CPI is up by 8.5%. You know, that's just a huge number. We haven't seen figures like that since 1981. It's a long time since inflation has been as high as it is today. But having said that, there was perhaps a glimmer of hope. Much of the rise in prices was due to energy and food. Now, you know, we all fill up our cars. We all heat our or air condition our homes. We all eat. So I don't mean to minimize the impact of, of energy and, and food prices. They're clearly important, but they're somewhat narrow. And, and they're not things that can necessarily be directly affected by Fed policy. You know, why are, why are they up so much? Well, part of it was just strong overall demand and not much of an increase in energy production, but then worsened in both cases by the Russian invasion of Ukraine, which really jacked up those prices in the end of February and and certainly in the first half, if not the whole month of March. But if you look at what we call the core rate, you take out those elements that, that the Fed really can't control. So it's the CPI minus food and energy, There was much less of an increase there so if you look at the monthly gain it's only 0.3 now 0.3 is still higher than we'd like now that's still an annualized gain of almost four percent still you know like double what what the fed would like to see but the 0.3 increase uh was was the slowest in about six months so that's good news and if you look at some of the components there one of the things that has really pushed inflation up over the last year are car prices, particularly used car prices, because you can't buy a new car. Supply chain problems uh, are, are have really cut into the production of new cars. So people have, have gone to the used car market and, and used car prices. If you look over the last year, used car prices are up by 35 by percent. Well month ago they were up by 40%, 41%. So used car prices are are just surging. But if you look at the last two months, used car prices are down both months. Now they were down just a tad in February, down two tenths of a percent. But in March, used car prices were down by 3.8%. Again, year over year change is still immense. But but there's some good news that that some of the components that have forced inflation up
1: so much over the last year are starting to turn around. Yeah. You know, when you look at the core CPI, you know, it's still up 6.5% over the past year. And that was even a tick up from where we saw for February. There are other measures of looking at the CPI data. I know both the Cleveland Fed and the Atlanta Fed both take different cuts of that, trying to exclude some of the outliers that maybe we saw in March with, with energy and food, what do we see from you know, some of those other measures that we might call underlying look at what inflation's doing?
2: Yeah, we like to look at the, uh, the Cleveland Fed's uh, trend mean, CPI, and their weighted median. And the reason you look at the sort of central tendency of the components of inflation is because in, in most periods, something that goes up a lot one month often tends to go down the next month. So the, the, the ends or, or something that goes down a lot one month then tends to go up a lot the next month or perhaps two months later. So things that go up or down a lot are volatile and they, they tend to reverse direction in, within a couple of months. So if you look at the sort of t- central tendency, the, the things in the middle, you get a better view of underlying inflation. So if we look at the Cleveland Fed's trim mean CPI, it was up 6.8 percent. Now, these are all stated uh, at month to month gain. So, but it's annualized. So it's not the one-month gain. It's what it would be if if it occurred over the whole month, up by six over a whole year, up by six point eight percent. That's pretty high, but it wasn't much different than February, and it's down from January. So this suggests that, that underlying inflation, you know, that central tendency, the CPI, is still really high, but perhaps it's peaked, and perhaps it's even coming down a little bit and if you look at it over the last year, it's still going up. But part of that is the first quarter a year ago, inflation was still low, and it hadn't spread very much. And one of the things that these measures of central tendency give us is, is a measure of how widespread inflation is. You know, and a year ago, it was not very widespread. It has broadened out considerably over the last year. But perhaps this is suggesting that Underlying inflation has peaked. It's still way too hot. It's not come down a little bit. I don't mean to say that by peaking, the inflation problem is done. But it's down some on a month-over-month basis, even if it's still going up year-over-year. But having said that, if we continue to see these gains either for the core CPI or central tendency measures like the Cleveland Feds, trimming CPI, go down on a month over month basis, then very soon we will see them start to go down on a year over year basis as well. Uh, Not only because the monthly numbers are rising at a slower rate, but also because starting in the second quarter of last year, the gains really started to pick up. So the comparison with a year ago uh, will make it harder for that 12 month increase to
1: rise faster. You know, when when we look ahead towards where inflation could go in coming months, one of the key factors is still going to be the impact of the Russian invasion and what that means for commodity prices. Um, we just got an update on producer prices. What does that tell us for the direction of uh, where we think inflation is going to go? And, and again, kind of harking back to that key question, do we think we're at the peak or we're going to come down from here?
2: Well, just as there was some potential good news with the CPI, with the up by less, the PPI was not nearly as optimistic. You know, if you look at just the monthly change, and, and the producer price index are, are prices that the, the firms that make things face. So it's not what consumers are seeing, and it, doesn't, it may get fully passed on in the form of price gains, but maybe not. If, if uh, producers decide to uh, allow margins to go down, then increases in the PPI it may not be fully reflected in CPI, but directionally. They're important. And uh, for, for March, the increase in the PPI, this is a monthly gain, was 1.4%. That's really big for, for one month. If you look at it over the last year, again, this is for final demand PPI, it's up 11.2%. And in fact, it accelerated in March. So while there you know there may have been some good news on consumer prices, on producer prices, things appear to be getting worse. And not only that, it was, it was pretty broad-based. So it doesn't necessarily mean that consumer prices will go up because producer prices don't necessarily get fully passed on to consumer prices if, if producers decide to, to reduce margins, and, and that could well occur. But it's certainly not good news for the economy and, and certainly gives no indication that inflation, at least at the producer level, has peaked yet.
1: Well, unfortunately, some bad news there. You know, I, you know, when I look at what's going on with inflation, David, it, it does seem like, you know, inflation's a cycle. You see higher wage costs, you see higher input costs, leads to firms raising prices. In fact, we just got an update this week from the NFIB survey that a record level number of Small businesses are, are raising selling prices because they have to. They have to keep up with their costs and keep their margins. Uh, what's it going to take to break this cycle? What's it really going to take to start to turn over these trends and start to pull down those inflation expectations? Now everyone's expecting inflation to go up. What's it really going to take to start to break this cycle?
2: Well, prices, as any good economist will tell you, the
1: intersection of supply and demand.
2: So you either need more supply or you need less demand. So, supply side policies that could increase production, increase the number of workers in the market, things that would increase productivity gains are all positive for reducing inflation. And not only are positive for reducing inflation, can reduce inflation without slowing growth in the economy. But those are hard to do. And it, it's not clear that government policy is tuned towards those supply-side things right now. Well, that leaves demand-side policy, and that is primarily the role of the Federal Reserve. And um, the Fed has started tightening monetary policy to slow overall demand in the economy, and financial markets expect the Fed to tighten pretty significantly this year. Uh, two months ago, the uh, federal funds rate, the lower bound, was zero. Uh, it's at a quarter of a point right now. But financial markets expect another two percentage point increase approximately in Fed funds rate by the end of this year, maybe another 100 basis points or full percentage point next year on top of that. That's a pretty drastic increase in a short period of time in short term interest rates. But, you know, the Fed needs to slow demand and aggregate demand in the economy to bring inflation down if, if supply side Things aren't, aren't really working. And the Fed can certainly slow inflation that way. The problem is that it also slows economic growth. Well, economic growth in the economy is pretty good, unemployment's incredibly low. But what happens if six or 12 months from now, Fed tightening has generated a substantial slowing in the economy? Perhaps even looking at a recession, I like think the odds of a recession this year are very low. Uh, even next year, they're not all that high, but maybe 2024. But if, if they're facing much slower growth and a rise in unemployment and inflation is still higher than what the Fed would like, when the Fed would like 2% inflation over the long run, that puts the Fed in a difficult position. The Fed doesn't have the tools to fight both inflation and unemployment at the same time. Right now, the Fed is clearly focused on inflation, and I think appropriately so. Um, and it can bring inflation down. The question is whether it can bring inflation down enough without causing a recession. And the answer to that is still unknown.
1: Yeah, I think you've done a great job laying out the challenge for the Fed. There, um, it's it's going to be a tough road to hoe for them over the next year or two. You know, David, when you when you lay out our or finally, when you just lay out our thoughts for the Fed. Um, Do you think that they'll raise interest rates by 50 basis points in May? Do you think that's the signal that they want to send in the near term, that they are being very aggressive towards the inflationary environment?
2: You know, we don't know for sure, but I think that the Fed will probably raise the federal funds rate by half a percentage point in May. I was at the uh, policy seminar from the National Association for Business Economics last month, and this was after the uh, March FOMC meeting where the Fed raised the federal funds rate by a quarter of a, a point. And um, Jay Powell, the, the Fed chair, was the luncheon speaker. And he was asked, what would prevent you, prevent the Fed, from raising the federal funds rate by half a percentage point of the next meeting? And he paused and he said, nothing. Well, there are things that would prevent that, but we haven't seen those things. Um, yeah, the, the moderation in, in core CPI. I don't think that's enough to keep the Fed from going by half a percentage point at the May meeting. So I think the odds are well over 50 percent. Maybe not 100 percent, but well over 50 percent that uh, we will see a 50 basis point tightening by the Fed at March. And then the question is, does the Fed also go by 50 basis points at the June meeting, trying to front load a lot of the tightening and and really? slow inflation sooner rather than later in the hopes of of keeping inflation expectations from ratcheting upwards once inflation expectations go up once people and businesses expect inflation to remain higher for longer it gets much harder to actually reduce inflation because businesses start raising prices faster and households start asking for higher wages faster so the fed needs to to move before those inf- higher inflation expectations become embedded
1: in wage and price setting behavior. Thank you, David. Those are some great comments. You know, a lot of trends we keep an eye on this year and be sure to keep listening to our podcast. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Ben. The information provided by Nationwide Economics is general in nature and not intended as investment or economic advice, or a recommendation to buy or sell any security or adopt any investment strategy. Additionally. It does not take into account any specific investment objectives, tax, or financial condition, or particular needs of any specific person. The economic and market forecasts reflect our opinion as of the date of this report and are subject to change without notice. These forecasts show a broad range of possible outcomes. Because they are subject to high levels of uncertainty, they will not reflect actual performance. We obtain certain information from sources deemed reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or fairness. Nationwide And the Nationwide N and Eagle Our service marks of the Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company. Copyright 2022. Nationwide.